as we were worshipping, uh, Camille mentioned about the names of God and this, that, and the other. And we're going to look into that a little bit more this morning. Um, but in, in John, John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 3, it's, it's talking about the Word. And the Word was with us, and the Word was with God, and he is now manifest in the flesh. And that goes, it says this, All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. So God's hand is on everything created through him, through his words, through who God is. We are made in his image. We came from God, and to God we will return. So his spirit, if, if God's got a, God is spirit, the Bible says, therefore his spirit now dwells in me, and I in him, and therefore through his word and what he said, the DNA of God flows through your life and mine. And I am totally and completely convinced that if that word is true in John's gospel, then it is true for every one of us. That the DNA, he created us, he formed us, his handprint was all over us, and he breathed the breath of life into every living being. You have chosen to live for him and walk with him. Something came to me in the middle of the week. I'm not going to get to the message just yet. Something came to me in the middle of the week, and I shared it with Jane. And I believe it's something that is so important for our generation today. And the, I believe it is a word that God spoke to me. And what he was saying was, where are the Barnabases in the church today? What is Barnabas? Barnabas was known, that wasn't his real name, but he was known as the son of encouragement. Let's, let's have our house here known for a house of encouragement. I love the way that Emma turns around and says, Jane, you look beautiful. If that's not encouragement, I don't know what isn't. Come on, let's be a church that encourages one another and imparts encouragement as a Barnabas spirit flowing through his house. Because there is so much criticism of the church out there. There is so much actual criticism of the church within. Now, come on, let's be a church that encourages one another. Amen? Amen. Fantastic. So this morning, picture. Davina's on the... There we go. Look at that. What a picture. El Shaddai. The God of more than enough, the all-sufficient God. And this morning, we're just going to look at this because I believe, and it's going to be the last one of our series of thoughts, there's many, many. We could have done probably almost a year's worth of preaching on just the names of God, and we're not going to do that because there's other things that we want to share as well. But here we have El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. El Shaddai encompasses everything that we will ever need. He is everything that you will ever need. El Shaddai. When God speaks, he reveals, this is who I am. When God reveals his heart, he says, I am your all-sufficient one. 
What is it that you need right now? When you go across this room and you ask each individual, there may be multiple different things, but God still says, I am your all-sufficiency. I am your all in all. Whatever you need, I am it in your life. He is the God of more than enough. El Shaddai revealed himself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, specifically to these three. Why? Because God cut covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And whilst he was cutting covenant with them, he revealed himself to be their all-sufficient one, the one who, whatever their need was, that they would come to him, and he was going to meet that need. El Shaddai, or the almighty, El Shaddai means almighty God. How many times do we pray, almighty God, I pray that you would do this. What you're saying is, El Shaddai, I believe you, I trust you, I know that you will provide, you will meet my need where I am in life, according to your word. Uh, you know, if you've got a need for a new watch and you're saying, well, I really liked, I like my boss's watch, that Rolex that he wears, well, no, the Lord may just give you a Casio, but be thankful for the Casio, because if you're faithful over little, he may make you rule over much. That's a joke about the Rolex, all right? Just Casio. Why not stick with a Casio? Sam loves his Casio, doesn't he? But El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. There was a moment in Joshua's life where he needed the day to last longer because he was in a battle that he was winning but he needed it to go longer to be able to win that battle and war in that moment. Guess what? God heard his cry and said, that's no problem to me. And the sun and the moon stood still. If you go back into history and science and the two combined together, you can see that there are missing moments or missing time in, in scientific history timing. Why? Because the sun and moon stood still. Nothing is impossible to God. That's the God we serve. How about, how about uh, Elijah? Uh, is it Elijah or Elisha? Elijah, Elijah. He's up on a mountain. And he's praying. And he comes down to the place where the, the prophets of Baal are. There's 350 prophets of Baal. And they're praying and they're declaring over their sacrifice and nothing's happened. And Elijah looks to heaven and he said, God, you've got to answer by fire. But just to prove it, I'm going to pour whatever water's left. Remember, we're in the middle of a drought. I'm going to pour whatever water's left onto the sacrifice. You've got to answer by fire. The God who is more than enough came. Not only did it consume the fire, consume the, the, the sacrifice, it consumed the water that filled the trough around it. The God who is more than enough. How about the, the three Hebrew men that were thrown into Nebuchadnezzar's fiery furnace? <laughs> Do you know what? Sometimes we can feel we're in a place where the furnace is heating up. That the pressure on our life is hotter than it's ever been before. That those around you are walking away and, and, and you're left alone. What happened to those three men in the fiery furnace? The Bible says there was a fourth that turned up. 
when the pressure became so great, there was one who turned up and would not let them burn in the midst of the fire. And the form of the fourth was like the Son of God. Oh, what, what is impossible to God? You know, to be thrown into a fiery furnace where those who threw them in got burnt, but those who were in it didn't. They didn't even come out smelling like a barbecue. They came out smelling normal. The God in whom we serve is more than enough. You look at David's mighty men. You know, one, one of them picks up a jawbone of a, of a donkey and he slays. I don't know, was it a thousand men with a jawbone of a donkey? Why? Because the God who, who is more than enough is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond what we can ask or think. I want to take us to the first place in the Bible where this name El Shaddai is revealed. And if you've got your Bible, turn with me to Genesis chapter 17. We've been in the book of Genesis here and thereabouts for the last few weeks because so many of the names of God were revealed in and through this particular moment. In Genesis chapter 17, verse 1, we read these words. When Abram, because the covenant hadn't been made yet with Abraham, he was in the process of this covenant, so he was still known as Abram. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. Now when Abraham or Abraham heard these words, he heard this. The Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai. In other words, I am more than enough. I am your all-sufficiency. Whatever you need, Abram, you can count on me. Whenever you're in, in pressure, when, when the pressure comes, when you're seemingly without, when lack or famine seems to come your way, believe me, Abram, I am your exceeding great reward. I am your El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. See, the word El, E-L, means God or the strong one. And it's used for so many of God's names um, that reveal another aspect or character of his life and who he is to us in our world. El Elyon is the Lord Most High. Same God, different name. Just like I am Jeff Wood. I am also father or dad to my kids. I am son to my mum. I am brother to my brothers. I am friend. I am pastor. I'm elder. I've got lots of names that describe who I am, but my name is Jeff. And that is how God wants us to know him. He is El Elyon, the Lord Most High. El Olam, the everlasting God. El Gabar, the mighty God. And when in, in Isaiah 9, 6, when he turned around and said, you are mighty God, El Gibar, he was saying, there is one who's coming, whose name is the anointed. He will be the Messiah, Jesus Christ. He revealed it in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 8. 
So let's go back to the story, and we're going to head into Genesis chapter 22, verse, verse 1 through. Genesis chapter 22. And God is speaking now, if the covenant's been made. And now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abram. Abraham. We're on Abraham now. And said to him, Abram. Keep on saying that. Abraham. And he said, here I am. Then he said to him, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, an offering there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. This is such a bizarre statement, because God... God does not require human sacrifice. He does not want human sacrifice. In fact, God spoke out against human sacrifice over and over again throughout the Bible. Yet here, it seems like he's saying, would you go and sacrifice your son on the mountain? It sounds like God is requiring Abraham to do something that God wouldn't want him to do. But the the key is, God is testing him But God already knew that he would pass the test because he's God. He is all-knowing. God knew he was going to pass the test. And the test was coming from the one that Abraham knew as El Shaddai. He had revelation that God would provide in some miraculous way, even when I'm at the mountaintop, even when I've laid my son on the altar, I know God will provide. Why? Because he is El Shaddai. He is all-sufficient. He is almighty God. He will break through somehow. Something's going to happen. So Abraham did as he was asked. Listen to this. I want you to see these things as well. He said, now take your only son. In this moment, we have a type and a picture of Jesus being taken to the cross or submitting his life to die for us at the cross. He said, now take your son. God the Father had to look at his son and put him on the cross. He's asking Abraham the Father to take his only son and put him on the fire. It's not the only similarity. He said, go to the land of Moriah. Guess where Calvary is? Guess where Jesus was crucified? I believe it's 400 meters from the Mount Moriah. Then he goes on, he says in verse 3, So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, there's another similarity. Remember, Jesus rose on the third day. And on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and he saw the place afar off. What place did he see? He saw not only the mountain of Moriah, but I believe he saw the place where Jesus was going to be crucified. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and we'll worship And we will come back to you. Now there is a man of faith. God has said you will sacrifice your son. You'll put him on the altar. You'll burn him. Abraham is saying to his servants, me and the lad, we're going to go and worship. 
and me and the lad are coming back here. So in his mind, he was thinking, if I have to kill him, God will raise him up. The resurrection spoken of in the Old Testament. And Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac. Didn't Jesus carry a wooden object on his back? And here we see Isaac carrying the wood on his. The similarities are just incredible. I believe there are at least 10 similarities between what Isaac went through and what Jesus went through. And, uh, and Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And didn't Jesus on the cross turn around and say, my father, my father. It's amazing, the similarities. And he said, here am I, my son. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God, will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Verse 8 again, it says, And Abraham said, My son, God, Jehovah Jireh, will provide for himself the lamb. For the burnt offering. So the two went together. John the Baptist had the exact same revelation. He had the exact same revelation. In John chapter 1, verse 29, we read these words. The next day, John saw Jesus walking or coming towards him and said, Behold the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. I look at this and I think this is just amazing. It's beautiful. It's powerful. El Shaddai, the God who is the covenant-keeping God of Abraham, then becomes the God that we know who was crucified at the cross. We are going to take communion at this moment because God did provide himself a lamb. Jesus was the lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. And at that moment, he, he came and he provided a way of escape for you and I. And the team are going to come forward with the bread and the wine. Take a hold of it, keep it in your hand, and we're going to drink and take communion together. Whilst we do, I'd like us to watch the video as well. We could turn it up a little bit louder, that would be wonderful.
The night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you. And when I, when I look at this DVD, this clip, I look at it and I think, yeah, those names, they all wrap up into one. Because Jesus was given the name above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. In him, he is our provision. In him, he is our peace. In him, he is our righteousness. In him, he is our victory. In him, in him, is all in Jesus. And this morning, as we take the bread together, let's do so in remembrance of the power in his name. He is the resurrection and the life in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. After supper, Jesus took the cup, and the significance of that cup is multiple. It cleanses us from sin, it washes us white as snow, it makes us the righteousness 
of God in Christ Jesus. It purifies. It sets apart. It sanctifies. It was the ultimate sacrifice. The blood of bulls and goats could never accomplish what Jesus on the cross would accomplish for me, for you and me. But it's also the cup of the new covenant. The cup of doing things in a different way. The cup of power. The cup of transformation. And Jesus said, drink ye all of it in remembrance of me. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we want to thank you for the power of the work of the cross. Lord, we all are thankful that our sins have been washed, that we are redeemed, that we've been bought with a price, the price of your blood and your life in exchange for ours. Lord God, we are so thankful. Lord, let their hearts, let our hearts rejoice in what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So the Hebrew word for El Shaddai is broken into two parts. Firstly, El meaning God or strong one. And then Shad, which is the word for breast. And it means the word It paints this picture of God's completeness, his sustaining, nourishing, supplying, and satisfying his children, regardless of what their needs would be, just as a mother would do for her infant child. What a great picture that is of the God in whom we live and we serve, that he loves us that much that he would take us in his arms, that he would love us. He would support us. He would care for our journey moving forward. I love this picture of God. Almighty God revealed who he was, not only to Abraham, but to his seed. And you and I are the seed of Abraham. The word of God says that there is nothing too hard. Why? Because God is all-sufficient. You can't have a God that's all-sufficient and say, well, that's too hard for him. No. He is all-sufficient, therefore nothing's too hard for him. I I, I read through the Bible and I look at the likes of uh, Job. Job turned around and said to God, God, I know you are able to do everything. God, you're able to do everything. What is it in your life today that you need something to be turned around? God is able to do anything. When you call upon the name of the Lord, he moves in power. When Moses was about to tell the Jews that all seemed lost, when the children of Israel were by the water, there was water, Red Sea in front of them, and, and behind them was the Egyptian army. He turns around and says, stand still and see the salvation of our Lord. When your back's against the wall, When pressures come against you, what do we do? We don't run in fear and panic. We say, I know in whom I have believed that he is able to do. And as they stood there, he lifted up his rod and God parted the waves. This is the God that we serve. When the Hebrew children were in the the fiery furnace and Nebuchadnezzar said, you will burn 
They turned around and said, the God in whom we serve will deliver us from your hand, O king, and he will deliver us. Come on, where is that confidence in our life? I know that you will deliver me. From when the pressure's on, I know that you will deliver me. I know that you will step into this situation. I know it will turn around. This is what God is calling for every one of us. When, when, when the angel went to, to Mary and said just before she conceived that you will have a baby, what did she turn around and say? But I know nothing is impossible for God. Why? She knew the El Shaddai, the all-sufficient, that God is able to do whatever he needs to do. Paul turns around and says this to the church. God is able to do exceedingly. You know, that is, Pastor Andy always puts it, it's not Mr. Kipling's cakes. Exceedingly good cakes. No, God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, and beyond and above our wildest dreams and hopes and desires. God is exceeding. He's exceedingly good. He's exceedingly able in our life to do what we ask him to do according to his word. Oh, we live in perilous times. You know, who would have believed the last 24 hours in, in, in Russia? We live in perilous times. But how reassuring it is to know that El Shaddai is watching over yours and my life. Regardless of where we are, may we, where we, our loved ones may be in the world, we know that God is watching over us. He's not only the all-sufficient God who sustains and nourishes, but he is almighty God who fulfills his purposes and his plans and pours out his blessings upon our lives. Come on, let's open our heart big and wide. Let's trust him in the journey of our life. I want to finish this one last scripture, Philippians 4, 19. We may speak it, we may quote it, we may know it, but do we believe it? And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. My God will supply all my needs. Do you have a need in your life today? Go on. If you have, just pop up your hand. My God shall supply all our needs according to his riches, his El Shaddai-ness, his all-sufficiency in our life. He shall supply all our needs according to his riches in glory, not through family church, not through a pastor, but through Christ Jesus. I'm going to pray for everyone that popped up their hand this morning. If you didn't and you want to pop up your hand because you have a need, let's do so once again. If you've got no needs in your life, then please keep your hand down. <laughs> for those who have no needs in your life, would you like to come and pray for those who have? Oh, sorry, no takers. Let's put our hands up. Let's have our hands high because this is submission to God, right? This is God. You are my all-sufficiency. If you have no needs in your life, would you please come to the front and pray for us?
Father, I humble myself before you because we all have need. Whether it's the need of health or the need of provision or the need for our families or the need for soundness of mind or the need to be delivered from pride or the need to be delivered from addiction or the need, or the need, or the need. Father, we need you this day. And Father, we cry out to you that you are El Shaddai God. You are more than enough. Forgive us, Lord, when we look for all the other things to satisfy our walk with you. You are more than enough. And I thank you, Father, as we seek first you and your righteousness, your word clearly declares over our life that all these other things will be added to us. So, Father, today, we humble ourselves in your presence and we call upon you, Lord God, that you would supply all our needs according to your riches in glory through Christ Jesus. El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough, meet the needs of your people in this room today. By the manifestation of the power of your spirit, I pray, Lord, that healing will manifest in sick bodies. That the peace will manifest in minds that are filled with turmoil. That, Lord, your, your strength will manifest in those who feel weak. Father, that the power of heaven will manifest in those that are lacking. Lord, that your provision will manifest in the lives of those who are lacking in the natural. You are our all-sufficient one. We humble our hearts before you this day. And we say, Father, your will be done and your kingdom come in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all that we can ask or imagine. In Jesus' name. Amen.